Welcome to the Recruiter's Review. I am your host, Pat Mingarelli, and this is episode five, Resumes and Correspondence, What You Really Need to Know. In this episode, I will discuss the true importance of your resume and the role it plays, and while it will either be the strong beginning to your interview process or the end of it, and that's even if you get down to offer stage, and I'm gonna explain that later. I will also address the key correspondences that must be sent after your first interview. I'll also be hosting pharmaceutical industry hiring executive Rennick Blosser today, who will give his views and opinions on both topics. You know, some people are quickly selected for an interview and then they quickly move forward. Others don't get an interview at all and some hear nothing after the first interview. Why is that? I'm telling you, it gets down to resume and follow-up. Those are the bricks and mortar of the interview process and build. Your start, it has to be powerful, period. It's rare that I hear, we almost skipped that resume or we almost didn't select that person. Their interview was pretty weak or it was a rough start, but we're glad we hung in there. I rarely hear that. In your start of the interview process, you have to prop that start up because I've also heard, sure, we liked them in the interview, but the follow-up was weak or it wasn't there at all. So we selected somebody else to move forward. This is why people either don't hear at all or hit a first interview and then it's crickets. So regardless of whether you're aggressively looking or a recruiter has found you, once you decide that you're going to interview for a position, that's it. You are now active on the job market, or at least for that position, and you have entered the cage, the pit, you're on stage, whatever you want to call it. But from the moment you say, yes, I want to interview for that job, the show, the competition, the need to perform, it all starts there. And it is indeed a competition. And that strong entry to the competition, it starts with your introduction, and that is your resume. Your resume is no different than a request for proposal or RFP. Many salespeople listening to this know what I'm talking about. But when an RFP is requested, you ensure it's well-written, it's accurate, it sells your company and yourself. So you got to treat your resume for just that. It is the RFP. A company has asked you for your RFP and you return that with your resume. And I've got to tell you, it is of utmost importance that your resume reads well and that it is accurate. Reads well is what gets you in the door. Accurate ensures your background check does not hit a snag later. Listen, I cannot believe how many resumes I get that have typos and grammar errors on it or just terrible spacing. Or it's spaced out well, but I have no idea what the person actually does. I can't figure out their chronology. And worse, I got to tell you this, because I've done this for so many years. We have resumes on file from people we'll recruit today. They forgot that we knew them 10 years ago. We've got that resume and I'll see a major difference in today's resume than the resume from 10 years ago where dates are different, titles are different, companies are missing. And I just simply knew the person's job history before. So yes, what you have on your resume, it is going to be checked. It's like being a politician. You know, when a politician speaks on the news, what comes next? The fact checkers. The fact checkers are saying, nah, this was wrong, that was wrong. Well, the fact checkers are waiting for your background to have something wrong. And that's what these background companies do. They love to catch things that don't match your resume. It gives them that sense of, see, Mr. Company Employer, it's worth paying us to check people out. His resume does not match the background we collected. So remember this when it comes to your resume. If you wrote it, or paid somebody to write for you, you own it. You have authorized that document to be the fair and accurate description of who you are and what you've done and when you've done it. So no, I've seen the article, is it okay to embellish your resume? No, period. 
don't embellish it. Come back to bite you later if you get down to the job offer stage and now your resume is being used next to your application and it's being used with reference checks. And I have seen people who have done their applications meticulously. Everything was correct, but there was something on the resume that was wrong. Maybe they didn't have a degree and they answered that truthfully on the application, but they had the degree on the resume or they had the dates right on the application, but not on the resume. And sure enough, I've seen executive in the HR seat compare the two and say, well, he either lied on his application or he lied on his resume, but either way, we have two documents don't match. Job offer, stop. Let's move on to the next person. So what should your resume look like? Okay, I'm not gonna give you a resume writing episode here. That's not what I do. But I will let you know what a hiring manager or a recruiter looks for when they look at a resume. And know this, when looking at somebody's resume, the word quickly should be emphasized. Somebody looking at a resume quickly wants to know, what does this person do now and for who? What does that company do? What has this person accomplished so far in the current and most recent job? And from there, they want to see an orderly chronology, knowing the job history and how it flows. And yes, often back to graduation. And no, that is not because of age. Many managers like to know what the true life history is. Often those earlier positions tells the story of today. So trust me, there is not much age discrimination these days. There used to be in the 80s and 90s, but I saw that going away. Simple demographics have changed who's available for work. And I've actually noticed from my own practice, we've seen a real uptick of hiring of over 50. And actually just this month, we put two hires on board. Both of these gentlemen are in their late 60s. So don't go into the negative that it's nobody's business when I graduated. Remember, I'm giving you the advice to get your resume read and accepted versus tossed aside. And they want to be able to do it quickly because it's very likely they have many resumes to review and contract. Contrary to belief, and I've even seen people on my desk, the recruiters, they get impatient and think, well, that job's open. That's got to be the number one priority. It's probably one of a hundred number one priorities, and it doesn't always supersede everything. So just know that. But your resume should be exact. Exact dates of employment, at least going back a decade. I prefer the resume that actually goes back to the college graduation, even if that's a 30-year period and use exact titles. Let's say you've pursued a job that you want and then you come to an offer stage and everything is pending background checks, but you called yourself a vice president and when the HR department is called, they say, no, he was a manager. Or you fudge the dates by a couple months, you blur something over. Like I said earlier, that resume will likely be compared against your application when the background check is done. So make sure your resume is actually accurate. And know this, companies generally don't give references these days. They won't say, ah, this was a good employee or a bad employee, but they will validate month and year of start date, month and year of end date, and title. Uh, imagine how this goes. Uh, hey, was Joe a vice president with you from May 2011 until July 2018? And that reference provider says, no, he was not. Some HR people can only stop there. They're not allowed to say anything more. So the word, no, he was not. The person checking that reference has no idea. All right, well, how much is and isn't accurate? Did he not even work there at all? Some HR people will go on to say, no, I can tell you he was a district manager here and he actually started August 2011 and left in May of 2017. Take the time to do your resume with diligence. If you don't know the dates, look them up before you put that resume together. Just know that whether you apply, you're going through a recruiter, or let's say you even know the hiring manager, your resume does get looked at by a number of people. And again, when moving under the volumes of resumes, whether it's a recruiter, the manager, human resources, those resumes have to flow. 
storybooks out of format, things that are hard to decipher, they get put aside. The reader is looking for instant fit. Your reader does not just have to read resumes all day. The task of reviewing resumes is one of many things that the person in human resources who's taking those responses to their advertisement, whether it's a recruiter or a hiring manager, these just have so much going on when it's time to view resumes, they're flying through them. I've actually placed people in jobs who told me, yeah, you know, I applied six months ago. They never contacted me. And I said, what resume did you send them? And they've sent it to me. And I'm like, Joe, that's a terrible resume. I gave them a little advice on what the resume should look like. We put it together. That's we ended up getting the job. So I'm telling you, resumes, they have to flow. It's got to be fast or you're not going to get seen. So take your time and do it with diligence. And I'm also going to finish here and say in the category of writing, if you're not willing or thinking to send post-interview correspondence, you might as well not even do the interview. You might as well not put a resume together. We have returned to that competitive job market and you're not the only one being interviewed. You are in the competition. I've had managers tell me, Patty nailed the interview. We love him, but I got to tell you, he didn't follow up with me. To not have that initiative or to not know those courtesies tells me he's not the fit. Now, Kathy, she blew us away with her follow-up. Her interview was a little weaker. She did well, but man, her follow-up email. So she not only thanked me for the interview, she wrote a beautiful summary of what she took away from the interview and what makes her think she's a really good fit for us. So we'll be bringing her back for a second interview. I will get into those interview strategies and correspondence strategies in the next episode. As promised, I said I would be bringing guests from both sides of the desk. Today, I am proud to present the series' first guest, Rennick Blosser. And I say proud because throughout my career, there are certain people I recruited in place that I look upon with tremendous personal satisfaction. And aside from what has turned into a lifelong friendship that I'm also proud of with Rennick, I'm proud because I placed Rennick at Forest Pharmaceuticals in 2006. And from day one, he proved to be a rock star there. Rennick hit the ground running on day one, having finished tops in his training class. And he crushed it his first year. And that got him promoted to, uh, within a year in 2007, to a sales trainer role. And in another year, he made his way up again to become a division sales manager. And ever since, Rennick has hired and has built winning sales teams in the pharmaceutical industry before moving into the upper ranks of the industry. Rennick was subsequently recruited by Alchemies to lead a hospital sales team. He was then promoted into marketing, and today he is their director of operations, where he remains engaged in team building. I could not think of anyone better to host from the employer side of the desk to discuss the topics of this episode than Rennick. And on a side note, I have to say Rennick is one of the most loyal people I know, not only due to his longstanding loyalty to me and my firm, Rennick hangs in there with me supporting our favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Rennick, welcome to the Recruiter's Review. Thank you, Pat. I, I appreciate it and uh, certainly appreciate you giving me my, my first shot in, uh, in the industry going back, good Lord, 10 years about. I'm loving what you're doing with the show. I think this is really valuable information that, that as people follow your series, it's a very competitive environment out there right now for, for interviewing for professional jobs. heard a lot of great advice from your show so far. Uh, thank you, Rennick. You're absolutely right. It's uh, it is as competitive now as it was maybe 15 years ago, and uh, I think it's just going to get uh, more and more competitive as the demographics dynamics change out there. You know, so this leads into the topic I'm discussing for my listeners. Starts with the resume. I'd like just to begin there, Rennick. Tell me how important is that resume to you, and what does it tell you about the person under review? It's, it's a great question. I think people have gotten away from the importance of the resume. Unfortunately, when you think about your network, a lot of a lot of people have just adopted to LinkedIn and 
you know, monster career building, all of those things are great resources, but the hiring manager has a very set amount of finite time that they can spend thinking about candidates. You know, it's, it's one of the most important things that a hiring manager does, if not the most important thing. So you really need to spend a lot of time determining who the right fit is. That being said, when you look at all the other things that you're, you're likely managing as a, as a hiring manager with the rest of your business, it's important to be able to pop off the page really quickly as a candidate and say, hey, I'm worth your really uh, important long amount of time that you can give. I'm the one that you need to talk to. And so for me, if I don't see a really well-written resume, I will pass very quickly on. And there's a lot of different things that I look for in a resume, but in general, I'm looking for something that tells me exactly what that person has accomplished in the past, something that I'm looking to specifically replicate here, and is it worth my time to learn more about them? Very good. Listeners, that's exactly what I said before Rennick joined us. This resume is the highlight of who you are and what you are, and you are one of many that are trying to get under review. And that piece of paper, even though it's electronic these days, that's what they're reviewing. You've heard it firsthand. Hey, Rennick, how important are things like chronology and dates of employment and job descriptions of what they do to you? Uh, to me personally, I think for most people that, that uh, do a significant amount of hiring, it's, it's pretty critical. The resume is not just a snapshot of what you've accomplished or, you know, what specific roles you've had. It's also show, it's the first time you're showing somebody at the organization that you want to join how meticulous you are about important facts, details, grammar, spelling, chronological dates matching up. Don't forget, if you're going for a fairly professional-level job, they're going to be doing a background check. I can think of at least five examples where something didn't quite match up on a resume, and when we did the background check, we saw some differences that made the eyebrows raise. And as you continue to kind of peel back the onion, you just see, okay, there's some spelling issues here. Ah, the grammar and punctuation isn't exactly right. The months and dates aren't exactly matching up. It creeps into your mind, is this the kind of work level or precision that I could expect on a really important job? I certainly wouldn't want to have to deal with that on a regular basis with you know, direct reports. And, I, and more importantly, I wouldn't want my customers having to have small issues. Those things typically are, to me, indicators that there may be more of a, an issue behind the scenes organizationally or that maybe with a lot of uh, information that they need to streamline down, they, they may struggle to, to make that happen. So I, I think it's, it's incredibly important. And remember, I, I may be the, the hiring manager, but it's also going up to my boss and the level that we're weighing in on uh, interviews, that, that could make its way all the way up to the C-suite. And certainly if I was sitting in the C-suite and, and saw those kinds of mistakes that I mentioned, I'd question bringing that person on board. Uh, it, it just This just resonates the uh, entire episode here, right? Real quick, Pat, that is one thing that I think, especially in our fast-moving digital world that we have, a lot of people think that if they just have an in or know somebody or maybe even know the hiring manager, that it's a gimme. I would never assume that. You always need to put that best foot forward because it's, it's not just did I know you and did I see your body of work. It's you're joining an entire organization. You really want to shine to anybody that sees that resume. Absolutely. So it would be safe to say that if uh, you knew somebody 
and invited them to interview with you, and they put forward a resume that was half well written, had some typos and grammars. Could it make? Could it get you to change your mind and say, I don't think I want to bring this person in? Absolutely. I mean, if, look, if somebody doesn't care enough about our relationship and in a work environment to put every ounce of effort and quality control and checking into uh, their resume as a complete stranger going for the, the right job or the, the same job, then, then I would say likely they're not looking at this the right way, which is, yes, we know each other. Yes, we may have worked together in the past. And yes, may, maybe I would even potentially put my name on you. But you need to compete as if you are just a, a random person off the streets. And these small things really do make you wonder, should I continue to support this candidate? Uh, you, you couldn't have said it better, Renick. It absolutely is the competition beginning with the resume. This episode, we're going to actually be talking about uh, what happens after the resume is submitted and an interview is granted. But um, go ahead and ask you, Renick. Once that resume is in somebody's hands and they're in front of you, what makes that a good interview in your mind? And uh, what the flip, what makes that a no-go? That is a very good question, and I wish, I wish it was one that more people explored, if I'm being honest. I, I think a lot of people just think, hey, if I can go in and chronologically tell them, here's the things that I've done, and look at me, look at my success, I'm a home run, and then they scratch their head when they don't get the job. And, and unfortunately, I've, I've learned the lesson myself the hard way, where I've, I've gone for jobs internally in, in previous companies where thought for sure I, I was the one that had accomplished the most, right? And so if I just pay all my accomplishments, I'm certain that I, I would be the one that rose to the top. The reality is, I think most interviewers, especially myself and my personal philosophy these days, is I want to get a snapshot of who this person actually is when they show up to work. What am I going to be working on from a strengths perspective? What am I going to be working with from a, a developmental opportunity perspective? What kind of energy level does this person bring? What kind of engagement do they have? And so that's what I'm looking for, is the ability to engage me fully during that interview. A lot of the people that I've hired over the years have been customer-facing individuals. So I'm, I'm trying to not only see the you know chronological, amazing accomplishments, which by the time you're sitting in front of me, chances are there's you and six other people that have made your resume sharp enough that I want to learn more. So I'm probably getting a good snapshot of those accomplishments already just by doing my homework, really going through the, the resume with a fine-tooth comb, and inviting you in for a face-to-face -face discussion. So while those accomplishments are important and I do want to hear about them, I'm more so looking for how does this person engage? Do I lean into them? You know, like my body language can say as much as their body language can. If I'm really captivated and I'm leaning in, that likely means that the customers that I put that person in front of would lean in as well, especially if it's somebody that I don't know. If you can, in a short time, engage me and get me excited to hear more, where I'm not even thinking about the clock, chances are high that I'm, I might even run over by a little bit on our scheduled time. That is such a good sign. And I wish more people came into interviews with that mindset of, yes, I need to show why I'm such a successful person and why I should be hired based on previous accomplishments. But everybody sitting in front of somebody at that point likely has just as much, if not more, accomplishments than you. You really want to pop off the 
page as the person that if I hire you, you are going to be fully engaged. We're going to enjoy our working time together. You're going to be open and vulnerable with me. And if there's something that you don't understand or that you're not skilled at, you're going to be open and talking to me about that so that we can help grow and develop and, and groom you for the next position if that's a desire. All of those things can be pulled out a little bit in the interview process if they can really engage with you quickly and, and kind of get the guard on both sides to drop a little bit, if that makes sense. It's very good insight, Rennick. And listeners, as I said, we'll be talking more about interview strategies, especially the first interview. But I want to tell everyone something that I learned from Rennick himself. Shortly after Rennick was promoted and I was helping him with recruiting in northeastern Ohio, uh, we had a uh, sales candidate interview with Rennick who had a tremendous resume. And that interview actually did not go to a second interview, and I asked Rennick why. And uh, Rennick's words were, you know, he was really stiff and there was no conversation. He robotically answered my interview questions and anyone can do that, but I'm looking for the person that can engage with me. So that'll be a topic we do visit in, in greater depth and maybe we'll even have Mr. Blosser back to talk more about first interviews. But there's one last piece to a really good interview and the well-written resume, Rennick. How important is it to you that you get a follow-up from somebody that you've interviewed? I can't stress enough how important it is, and I I love helping people that are in the interview process that want to take a leap in their career and move forward, and there's a gentleman that I know through social media that lives pretty far from here. We've actually never met in person, and he had an opportunity to take a pretty significant step forward in his career, and one of the things that I reinforced multiple times as we were you know, just preparing for his interviews was how critical it is for that follow-up. And I think there's a couple different ways you can do it. You know, it could be a, a handwritten note that you leave as you walk out. It could be a, an email, could be a phone call, however you want to do it. The critical piece is to me, A, do you do it? And B, is it sincere? I've actually had people who have locked out to other candidates because they did not follow up with me. But I've also had candidates, quite frankly, I was not to the point where I was sold on them. I thought they were a good candidate, but I wasn't sold on them. And the approach that they took to that follow-up was actually what ended up getting them the job. I can think of two specific hires, and they ended up being tremendous employees. I mean, some of my best hires. But I wasn't 100% sold on them at that first round. When they left, they both of these individuals followed up with me with a really good email. But the one thing that they, they did that the other candidates didn't do, and I, I actually passed this on to the gentleman that I was referring to in my story that had just interviewed and secured, by the way, significant step forward in his career, is when you do that follow-up, of course, thank them for their time, all the things that people do. The second piece that I think is critical and really made a difference for these two individuals that got hired by me was they asked for a follow-up if there was something that they did not answer that another candidate did, they would love the opportunity to explain to me or voice to me what their skills, capabilities, et cetera, were in specifically any gaps that I thought was between them and another candidate. That did, to me, Pat, that did two things. One, it showed just how open they were to feedback and coaching and being vulnerable to say, hey, I may not have been perfect. And if there was something I didn't answer that somebody else answered better, I want to hear about that. I want a chance to explain it or talk it out. I was like, I can work with that person. 
They clearly are open to feedback. The second thing it did for me was kind of get my light bulb to go off, maybe even a little subconsciously at the time, of if they're taking this approach with me, I'm a little bit optimistic or feel fairly confident that they'll take that approach with their customers. How many times do we have people that you go in, you sell, you think you had a great conversation, and you know that person doesn't sign on the dotted line, you, you, know, you don't get the sale for the company? So many individuals that I've either managed over the years or seen do not take that step of why didn't I get the deal and how can I address those gaps. If they're willing to do that in an interview, I'm way more certain that they're going to do it in a situation with a customer. So again, it kind of goes back to my overall theme of engagement in the interview process that I'm so happy you're talking about and exploring because those are the kinds of qualities that when they carry over to our customers or the, the accounts or whatever, they're likely going to do those type of follow-up mechanisms for them, which is going to give them a much larger batting average when it comes to securing business. I can't stress it enough, but if you're just going to say thank you for your time can't wait to hear from you i wouldn't even bother doing it if you're going to do it do it in a sincere way that is engaged outstanding have you ever had a really good interview and you thought all right this is my person and then a few days go by and you haven't heard from them has that given you cause to drop them and move on to somebody else Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There was a time that I didn't take, I mean, interviewing is a skill set that you grow as an interviewer just as any other. There's a time that probably wouldn't have cared so much about that. But as I've started to see how much the interview traits play out in the real world once you're working together, there have been some people that I thought were a lot more engaged than they ended up being that they didn't get the job. And, you know, it, was it the reason they didn't get the job? No. But was it a factor when they got beat out by somebody who did in follow-up and did it in the right way and made me feel like this is somebody that's going to take care of my customers? Absolutely. So they may not have not gotten it because they didn't write it, but they certainly got beat out in part because somebody else did. Yep, I would agree, and I would say especially when it's a sales interview, I can't think of any sales process where the salesperson isn't going back to the customer mm -hmm. to follow up and see what do they still need, what does it take to get the deal forward, because if that salesperson isn't, the salesperson from company Y is, and that's who always gets the sale. Well, right, I appreciate this insight. My listeners, I think this validates what I'm telling you about the importance of correspondence in your resume. Uh, Renick, I wish you the best of success. I'm sure you'll have it. Appreciate your time today at the Recruiter's Review. Well, thank you, Pat. And I'm loving the series so far. Keep it up. And I'm, I'm telling anybody who will listen to me that they need to listen to you because you have given me a lot of sage advice on, A, getting and navigating my career and, B, just the right way to approach things. So uh, thank you for, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you being here, Renick. Thank you. You heard it there firsthand and right here on the Recruiter's Review. I look forward to welcome you all back for my next episode, First Interview Strategies and Effective Interview Follow-Up. Until then, from the Recruiter's Review, this is Pat McGrelly signing off.